Well, hey everyone, I'm Pastor Judd Wilhite, and I wanna thank you for joining us today. You know, Central's a place where it's okay to not be okay. And we are so glad that you're here. I hope you enjoy this message. Welcome everyone, so glad that you're here with us. Glad we can gather together this weekend to take some time to pause and remember the cross. And remembering can be a tricky thing, can it? I mean, it takes a real gift or skill to remember things well. At least it does for me, which is what makes me so envious of people that can just remember everything, like every detail, every experience. Like the type of person that can tell you what shirt you wore to dinner 15 years ago. Like I can't even remember what I wore 15 days ago. Sometimes 15 hours ago escapes me, right? I'm a forgetful person. But there's one, reason, there's one thing, and I don't know the reason, that I can remember really well, and that is restaurants. Like I can remember good experiences at restaurants. I can remember bad experiences at restaurants. I think this goes to show where food falls on my priority list. But if I have a bad experience at a restaurant, if you disappoint me, chances are I'm not coming back. Like I have boycotted a boycott list of different restaurants. In fact, I'm going to share that list with you now. They're going to bring it up. I'm kidding. I want to do that today. (laughs) Restaurant owners are like, whoa, wait. I know I need to have more grace in this area, but the good experiences, the bad experiences, the contrast between the two is what makes them both memorable. And I want to talk about a good experience I had, a memorable experience in a good way at this one restaurant. I walked into this restaurant with a group of friends, and before we can even make our way to our table and sit down, this young guy behind the bar, he comes running out. His name's Tanner. He's in his 20s. He runs out around the the corner of the bar. He runs up to us shouting, what's up, guys? I am so glad you're here. Man, it's so good to see you. And then he proceeds to give each one of us a hug, and not a quick hug. It wasn't a weird hug, but it definitely was one of those hugs that you would reserve for like a close friend. So I actually was thinking to myself, like, do I know this guy? Are we we friends? Should I know this guy? And as we sat down and we're enjoying our dinner, or we're ordering our dinner, Tanner's asking us about our day. He's, He's asking us about how life is going. And it wasn't showy. Like, you could tell that Tanner just genuinely cared about you. He genuinely wanted to know. And as the dinner went on, I watched as Tanner gave the same interaction to everyone in the restaurant. It just seemed like Tanner was so full of life. Like, he loved what he did. He was so good with people. He just genuinely cared about people. And, and that experience was memorable. Tanner made it memorable. And I kept going back. I was a repeat customer because I knew if Tanner was working, I was going to have a great experience. And it's so strange to me what we remember and then what we forget. See, oftentimes in life, I find that I tend to remember the most trivial things, but I neglect the essential ones which is why we need to take time to remember and appreciate the things that matter most to us, or, or else we're going to end up missing out on their blessing. We'll end up taking for granted what we have. We're prone to forget sacrifices made for us, our 
ultimate blessings. And not because those sacrifices weren't great enough, not because those sacrifices weren't amazing enough, but because we didn't take the time to just pause and remember them. And the cross is no different. In our culture, we've become so familiar with the cross as a symbol. It's on logos, it's on clothing, it's on bumper stickers. People will get a tattoo of the cross. We wear it as jewelry. And none of these things are bad if you remember the meaning of the cross. I once heard it said, if you're going to wear the cross as an earring, you might as well wear the electric chair as its pair to remind yourself what the cross was and what it did and what it meant. You see, it was a political symbol long before it was a religious symbol. It was a torture device. It was feared. It was a message from the Roman government that declared to the people of Jesus' time, to the world, that Rome was in charge. And this is what will happen to anyone who gets in their way. Well, Jesus, for our sake, got in the way. This week, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was crucified for us and for all of us. He stood before three Jewish trials and then he stood before three Roman trials and the final verdict, crucify him. Now when we think of crucifixion, I don't want us thinking like that sounds like a bad way to die. It was more than just a bad way to die. It was the worst way to die. The Romans had perfected the, the art of crucifixion to inflict as much pain, as much torture, as much suffering as possible so that they could send that message that, that this is what will happen to anyone who goes against us. So Jesus' journey to the cross was the most horrific punishment imaginable. But putting him up there, that wasn't enough. They were going to need to weaken him on the way to it. So one of the first things they did is that they flogged him with whips. And on the end of these whips would have been pieces of, of metal, of bone fragment, uh, of glass. So that every time these strands hit that back, it would pierce the skin. And every time they ripped that whip away, it would rip away flesh, exposing muscle and bone and organs. Also on the end of these whips were these lead balls, so that every time they hit the back, they struck that back, it would just once again inflict as much pain as possible. It's said that some people would get flogged so many times that the majority wouldn't even survive the flogging. After they were done destroying his body with the whip, they started to mock him. They spit on him. They beat him with their fists. They hit him over the head with a reed pole. They took a purple piece of fabric as a pretend royal robe and put it on his freshly exposed and wounded back. They took branches and thorns and made it into a crown and forced it down on his head. And then the Bible tells us that they got down on their hands and their knees in pretend worship of him until they were tired and bored of their mocking. Next, they removed that robe from him and Jesus started the long walk to the place where he would be crucified. 
They put the horizontal beam of the cross on his shoulders. This beam would have been about six feet in length. It would have weighed over 100 pounds. And once at the site of crucifixion, Jesus is stripped of his clothes. The soldiers place him on the cross. They stretch out his arms as far as they can possibly go. And then they drive nails into his hands and into his feet. In strategic places, right next to nerve endings, to once again just make excruciating pain through, shoot through his body. Then I can only imagine as they hoisted that cross up into place and Jesus' body weight settled on those nails, just what his body went through. So before Jesus was even on the cross, he was brought as close to death as one can possibly get. He endured an immense amount of suffering and pain. And what's important to remember is that he endured it for us. You see, before the cross, we were doomed. Before the cross, we were eternally separated from God. Before the cross, we had a price to pay for our sin. But Jesus, he paid it all the way to the cross. He took our punishment. You know what's amazing? In fulfilling the prophecy found in Isaiah chapter 53, he endured all of that, all that pain, all that suffering, all that torture, completely silent. Completely silent. He suffered a grave injustice. Here was a man who hadn't done anything wrong. It was a travesty. In fact, it was a mockery of justice. But through all the torment, all the agony, he, he remained silent. Why? Speak up for yourself, Jesus. You've done nothing wrong. Tell them you're innocent. Defend yourself. Why are you silent? Why aren't you saying a thing? It's because he knew what the cross meant for us. So let's not forget. The only way we can know what Jesus meant through the cross, for, for Jesus to die on the cross, is to listen to his words on the cross. Because when he finally breaks his silence, he doesn't use words to condemn. He doesn't use words to complain, but rather to show us who he is and who and what he was enduring it all for. He shows us what we need to remember about the cross and what he was giving to us through the cross. And the first thing that we need to remember is that the cross brings freedom. From 9 a.m., 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., over six hours on a Friday, our Lord, our Savior, an innocent man hung there naked on a cross. He was just beaten. He was just mocked, flogged, forced to carry a wood beam a long way, nails driven through his hands, through his feet. And do you know what his very first words were? We find them in Luke 23. He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus' very first words from the cross were words of forgiveness. And they're words for each one of us. I know we can often think, like, maybe he meant those words for the Roman soldiers that put him on the cross. Yeah, he meant it for them. Or maybe he also meant it for the, the Jewish people that convicted him of a crime that he didn't commit. Yeah, those were for them as well. 
But you and I, because of our sin, because of our mistakes, because of the ways that we've messed up, we are just as guilty of putting him through that punishment as putting him on that cross as they were. And we need to understand, we can only accept that the cross is a gift to us when we can accept that the cross was the price for us. I'm going to say that again because that is the central point of the whole gospel. You can't be here today and miss that. We can only accept that the cross is a gift to us when we can accept that the cross was the price for us. So when Jesus says, when he says, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, he's talking about us. He's freeing us from the power of sin. His forgiveness was for us. It's after this that we read that Jesus is hanging on the cross between two common thieves. And one of the thieves looks over at Jesus and says, oh, so you're the Messiah, huh? Well, if you're the Messiah, why don't you get yourself down from here? And while you're at it, why don't you get us down as well? The other thief looks over at him and says, you and I, we deserve to be here. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. And then he looks at Jesus and says, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus' response to him is so beautiful. Jesus says, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. What a beautiful statement. Today you will be with me in paradise. And here's why it's so beautiful. Because he made it to a man who has no good works to show for himself. This man was on a cross being crucified for being a criminal. It just reminds us that that forgiveness Jesus talks about, that grace, that freedom from sin, that's available to all of us. No matter what we've done, no matter how we've messed up, no matter how far from God you think you are, this statement is so profound because we've all fallen short, we've all missed the mark. And Jesus looks at a man who's lived that sinful life and he says, today... You will be with me in paradise. That's beautiful. With repentance of our own sins to him, the cross frees us from the entrapment of sin. This is what makes Good Friday so good. And the second thing we need to remember about the cross, the second thing Jesus is telling us from the cross is that the cross brings life. As Jesus is hanging on the cross, he looks down at his mother. I can only picture what a mom would be going through. Tears in her eyes, the the torment and the pain as she watches her son go through such a horrific and terrible death. He looks down at his disciple John, the only one of his disciples that made it to the foot of the cross. And his words for them are, here is your son. Here is your mother. Jesus is looking out from the cross to those closest to him in his life. And what he's saying is, Mom, uh, you have John now. John, you have my mother Mary now. You have each other. Be there for each other. Your family now. Here Jesus is. He's dying on the cross and he's focusing on the people around him. The vulnerable that need protection and love in their lives. This shows us the heart of Jesus. That he cares when we're grieving. He doesn't want us to be alone. He knows this life is not without troubles. It's not without hardships. 
He wants us to experience a new life surrounded by support, surrounded by love. That's what Jesus' love looks like. And he continues to hang there on the cross. The pain becomes unbearable. And it's at this point the Bible tells us that he cries out from the cross. He says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you abandoned me? Now, we might read this statement and think, what, what's Jesus doing here? Is he starting to doubt God? Is he starting to, to not trust or, or doubt the plans of the Father? Well, no. The, the first thing Jesus is doing here is he's quoting Psalm 22. And Psalm 22, it describes crucifixion. It says, they pierce my hands and my feet. My enemies surround me and mock me. Listen, it's describing crucifixion hundreds of years before we have any evidence that crucifixion was even invented or that crucifixion even existed. So part of what Jesus is saying is, I'm fulfilling the prophecy written in Psalm 22. And those of the Jewish faith, they would have known that this was a reference to that psalm. And this is powerful because it shows us that Jesus, he wasn't the victim of some horrible, unfair death. No, these events were foretold as part of God's plan to us. Jesus wasn't a victim. This was all part of God's greater plan to give us new life. This was out of an act of love for us. And these words, they were also used to express his pain, his anguish, and what he's suffering, what he's enduring. And this is just a reminder to us that in this life, we're going to struggle. There's going to be times that we suffer. There's going to be times that we face depression, we face, face despair. Sometimes it's not all good, right? A lot of times it's hard. And sometimes in our own suffering, we find ourselves wanting to cry out, my God, where are you? God, where did you go? Are you still with me? And Jesus' statement, it just shows us that that's okay. In a moment of pain, a moment of anguish, Jesus does the same. And this is our example of taking our pain and taking our suffering and taking it to God. Take it to him honestly. Listen, God is okay if you have honest feelings about your pain, about your suffering. He's with you in it. He wants to take what's weighing us down. Take what's holding us back. And he wants us to give it to him. The cross brings freedom. The cross brings life. And the cross brings love. As Jesus hung there a little while longer, he looked out, and the next three words he said were, it is finished. It is finished. In the original language, it is finished, it would have translated back to one word, to telestai. And this, this word would be written on any bill or any debt that was paid in full. Jesus said to Telestai, and it meant debt paid. You owe nothing more. Jesus, in this moment of hanging on the cross, look out, looks out and basically says, God, I've done everything that you asked me to do. I've accomplished my purpose. I fulfilled what you called me to do. To Telestai, it is finished, debt paid. Then the words that followed Jesus' last words on the cross were, Father, 
I entrust my spirit into your hands. Jesus looks out across the crowd of onlookers. He looks out at the soldiers that have been taunting him, the people who are hurling insults at him. He looks at his followers who are there and he says, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. The last words before Jesus takes his last breath and dies. Here was a man who accomplished all that God had called him to do. He fulfilled the task that was laid before him. Jesus made the choice to lay down his life for us to show us what real love is. In fact, in 1 John 4, it tells us this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And every page of this book called the Bible, it's showing us a world that's in despair, a world separated from God, in need of a Savior. And to show you just how much God loves you, he sends his only son to die on the cross for you, the only one that could pay the price for your sin. And when Jesus says, it is finished, there's no sweeter way that he could tell you that he loves you. He loves you, and he's for you, and he would do anything. He's shown you that he would do anything. You see, only Jesus could take an instrument of destruction and turn it into an instrument of construction. Only Jesus could take a symbol of darkness and turn it into a symbol of life. Only Jesus could take what screams and shouted fear and punishment and death, make it shout forgiveness, freedom, life, and love. Earlier I was telling you about my friend Tanner, the the incredible restaurant server that made us feel like best friends from the moment we met him. Well, my friends and I, we kept going back to that restaurant. We just wanted to be there. We wanted to be around Tanner. We wanted to to experience that hospitality and, and that love, that genuine care that he had for us. So we kept showing up. And every time we were there, I thought to myself, I need to invite Tanner to my church. Tanner would love my church. And more, it was more than just a thought. In fact, at times it was a prompting from the Holy Spirit. Like, you need to invite Tanner to church. I felt the prompting. But each time I excused it with, this, it's just not the right time. Not this time. I'm going to do it next time. Then, in October of 2019, I got the phone call that Tanner had died by suicide. I wasn't going to have a next time. This was a guy that was so joyful, so full of life. He was so happy. He was so young. I felt like I had time. I didn't have a sense of urgency. And the hard lesson I had to personally learn is that you never know what someone is carrying as a burden behind their smile. And I don't know if Tanner knew Jesus or not. My prayer, my hope is that he did, but I still have to live with that uncertainty. 
I still have to live with the fact that I felt a prompting to invite Tanner to church, to just speak up, to just invite him along, but I didn't. Now between me and God, I have to give that over to him because I know God doesn't want me carrying guilt and shame over Tanner's death, but the fact is I should have just invited him along. If I would have, I would have at least known that Tanner heard about a God who loved him, heard about a God who died for him, that had a hope and a future for him. He could have heard about what the cross did for him. That he was loved even more than the love that he was giving away. Would this have changed anything? I'll never know. But I would give anything, anything, just to have one more chance to be certain that Tanner knew Jesus. And my question for you is if you knew you only had today to share Jesus with someone, who would you reach out to right now? A hard truth I had to learn is that tomorrow is not promised to any of us. And I believe that God is putting someone on your heart as I'm speaking. And please, please don't miss what I'm saying. Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. I'm praying as I speak, as God's putting that person on your mind that you need to share Jesus with. At all of our locations, those watching inside living rooms, those watching inside prison facilities, no matter where you're at, here's my ask of you is take that name and find a way to write it down. Find a way to write it down. If you're at one of our in-person locations in your seat backs, we have one friend cards. You can write that name on that card. You can write it on a piece of paper. If you're inside a prison facility and have access to pen and a paper and you can put it on your cell wall, I'm just going to ask that you put this name somewhere where you're going to see it daily. Somewhere you're going to be reminded daily. The dashboard of your car, your fridge, your mirror. Just put that name up. And every time you see that name, in fact, I put mine on my phone. Just the names as the wallpaper on my phone. So every time I open my phone, I see those names. And I'm reminded to pray for them. Reminded to pray for God to give me opportunities to share Jesus with them. I'm going to ask that you do the same. The method doesn't matter, just as long as you have a way to remind yourself who you're praying for. And as you pray for them, ask that God gives you an opportunity to share Jesus with them. We remember the cross to fuel our faith in Jesus, but we also remember the cross because the miracle of the cross is to be shared without hesitation. Who is someone in your life that God has put on your path that needs to understand what the cross means for them? Because whether we think their life is going just fine or, or not, we're never going to know. And they just need the chance to hear that there's a God that loves them. There's a God that's for them. They need to hear that the cross brings freedom, that the cross brings love, and that the cross can bring new life. Tanner reminds me that I will never miss another opportunity. So let's not forget. And here in just a few moments, we're going to take communion together as a church family. Across all of our church locations, our worship team's going to come out right now. They're going to lead us in a song of worship. And I don't want you to feel any pressure to, to say the words, to sing the words. I would rather you during this time take some time to reflect and get before the cross. Take some time to confess your sins to God and ask him to remove them. And I promise you, he will. Freeing you of the sin that, that tries to trap us. 
Take this time to get before the cross and reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus. Let's take some time to remember the cross. Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. How great the pain of searing loss! The Father turns His face away. His wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory Behold the man upon the cross My sin upon his shoulder Ashamed I hear my mocking voice Call out among the skies sin that held him there until it was accomplished his dying breath has brought me life I know that it is finished I will not boast in anything no gifts no power no wisdom I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart, His words have paid my ransom. I know with all my heart His wounds have paid my ransom What can wash away my sin Nothing but the blood 
should have grabbed a communion cup that also has the bread located in it. I'm going to ask that at this time you find the side with the bread and go ahead and open that up, get the cracker out and take that in your hand. In his final hours before Jesus commits the most selfless act of laying down his own life, he gives us an example of the single most important meal that we can partake in. Hours before he's flogged, before he's beaten, before he's spat upon, mocked, and ultimately dies from a cross, his disciples and Jesus, they gather at this meal called the Last Supper where they were going to experience him and, and hear that it would be his body that would be broken so that we would no longer be broken, but that we could be made whole. That it would be his blood that would be shed so that, that we could shed our guilt, that we could shed our shame receiving his forgiveness. So Jesus gives us an example of what this last meal is known, and it's known as communion. And this is just a moment to remember, to remember his death, but also to remember his resurrection, to remember the one that died a death he didn't deserve, the only one that defeated that same death, the only one that can make us whole, the only one whose blood has the power to give us a future. And the Bible tells us that in in Matthew 26, it tells us that Jesus took some bread and he blessed it and then he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. So we take the bread to remember his body broken for us. Then he took a cup of wine and he gave it to them. And he told each of them, drink this. Because from it, this is, this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. So we take the cup to remember his blood poured out for us. Would you pray with me? God, we come before you grateful for the cross. Grateful for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. We remember his body broken for us. And we remember his blood poured out for us. Thank you for providing a way out of the entrapment of sin. What a gift. So we look at the cross and remember. We remember. But church, we know the cross wasn't the ending. That it was just the beginning for Jesus. That because of Jesus, we have forgiveness. That because of Jesus, we have someone in the middle of our pain and suffering ready to walk us out the other side. That because of Jesus, we have a fresh start. That because of Jesus, we have eternity in heaven. That because of Jesus, there was a cross. Because of Jesus, there was a tomb. 
that because of Jesus, that tomb is empty. Because of Jesus, that same spirit that raised him from the dead is available to us. That because of Jesus, he can come and the spirit can move through us, giving us life. Because of Jesus, we have a hope and we have a future because of Jesus. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe and review this podcast and connect with us on social media by following at Central Online. You can also contribute to what God is doing through Central. You can simply visit centralchurch.online slash give, and you can give a gift today. And thanks again for joining us on the Central Church Podcast.